book of 1 Corinthians, this letter that Paul was writing, he has to address some very difficult things. He's got to really dig in deep, and he's got to get personal. You know, the kind of personal where people say, you've stopped preaching and you've gone to meddling. You know, the kind of preaching that really digs in deep. And Paul has got to address some very specific issues and very specific problems that I'm telling you, it just wouldn't have been any fun to write a letter like it. He's got to talk about division. He's going to have to talk about immorality. A man has taken his father's wife, and the church needs to address the sin that is in the camp. He's going to have to dig in and talk about worship and talk about leading roles in worship and women's role in worship and misusing and abusing the Lord's Supper, for example, in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, the giving in 1 Corinthians chapter 16. He's going to have to address the misuse of spiritual gifts. These miraculous gifts given to them in the first century that they were taking and elevating above others and making themselves to be better than their brethren. There was just all kinds of disunity in this congregation, and Paul is having to address it. And he's having to address all of these issues. And so when you think of 2020, you think of messes and mistakes and all of these issues. Well, I think 1 Corinthians may be a a good letter to look at as we're thinking about uh, uh, 2020. So how do you start a letter when you have to address all of these different issues? How do you start the letter? And then I ask, how do you finish the letter? All right, so you've got to start somewhere, and then you've got to wrap it up somewhere. So how do you do that? Well, this is what Paul does, and I think it's fascinating to look at. In a letter that deals with all of these different issues and all of the messes that these Christians were making of their lives and of the church and worship and all of these things, this is where he starts. Chapter 1, verse 1. Paul, called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ through the will of God and Sosthenes our brethren, to the church of God which is at Corinth, to those who are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints, with all who in every place call on the name of Jesus Christ our Lord, both theirs and ours. Tonight what I want to do is look at three words that I see in 1 Corinthians 1 and 1 Corinthians 16, the beginning and the end. I want to look at three words, and then we're going to sing four songs with each of these three words. So if you're quick, we've got 12 songs tonight. I want you to think about this first word with me. The word is fellowship. Now, as we think about 2020, the year that is ending, and we, again, if the Lord wills, go into 2021, I want us to think about the blessings of fellowship that we've enjoyed in the previous year, and then look forward to fellowship in the next year. Paul says, look, I am, I am Paul, I'm an apostle of Jesus Christ, I am with Sosthenes, who is our brother. And then notice the words he uses to describe God's people in verse 2. The church. The church which is at Corinth. This is God's people. This is God's assembly. He calls them the sanctified. The church of God, the sanctified in Christ Jesus. The ones who have been called out for a specific purpose. The church, the congregation, the assembly of God. The sanctified in Christ Jesus. The saints. The holy ones. Brethren, what we find here is a picture of those who are in fellowship with God and are in fellowship with each other. Then you go to the end. You go to 1 Corinthians chapter 16. And you look at verses 15 through 20. And just think about fellowship, this first word. Paul says in chapter 16 and verse 15, I urge you, brethren... You know the household of Stephanus, that it is the firstfruits of Achaia, that they have been devoting themselves to the ministry of the saints, that you also submit to such and to everyone who works and labors with us. I am glad about the coming of Stephanus, Fortunatus, and Achaicus, for what was lacking on your part they supplied, for they refreshed my spirit in yours, therefore acknowledge such men. And then he says this, The churches of Asia greet you. Aquila and Priscilla greet you heartily in the Lord with the church that is in their house. All the brethren greet you. Greet one another with a holy kiss. Do you see the picture of fellowship? 
You see, he, he singles out these specific men, and he singles out this specific family, these who are the first ones converted in this region where Corinth lies, and he says, these have devoted themselves fully to the ministry of the Lord. Listen to me. For six Sundays in 2020, we didn't get to meet here. For six Sundays, these pews were completely empty. I want to appreciate fellowship. I want to appreciate the church and my brethren more. I want to be one. Wouldn't it be great if we said, you know what? 2020, it had its challenges, but out of this, I can come to appreciate the church more. I can come to appreciate Jesus more and the people for which he died. And... Wouldn't it be great if we all decided in the coming year that we were going to devote ourselves more to his work? That we're going to be more like this family of Stephanus and we're going to dedicate ourselves more to the work of the Lord. That's what they were all about. Brethren, wouldn't it be great if we decided that this is what we were going to be about? That this is what I'm going to do in the coming year. We made that resolution to be more devoted to ministry But in verse 15, I want you to see the picture of conversion. Here is one who is converted to Christ, the first fruits, the first converts in this region. Those who are now made right with Jesus. Those who were once lost, who now are in a right relationship with God. That's where fellowship is found. That's what this is all about. Being right with the Lord. Striving to stay right with the Lord, now knowing that we are joint partners together with Him. Yes, I want to resolve to appreciate fellowship with Jesus more in the coming year. I don't want to resolve to be around God's people less. I want to be around God's people more in the coming year. The church will prosper if that's the kind of attitude that we all possess. Now, with that in mind, I want to sing four songs that have to do with our fellowship. So these are songs that you know, and I know that you know them. I want you to sing out. But again, as I like to say, you've got to engage your mind as we think about the words of these songs and specifically dealing with fellowship. Let us sing together. Bless be the tie that binds our hearts in Christian love, the fellowship of kindred minds is like to that above. Before our Father's throne, we Oh 
dear Lord, close to Thee, just a closer walk with Thee. Grant it, Jesus, this my plea. fellowship with the Lord. Again, we need to resolve and strive coming year to be closer and not farther away. How about stepping in the light? Trying to walk in the steps of the Savior, trying to follow our Savior and King, shaping our lives by His blessed example. Happy, how happy the songs that we bring. How beautiful to walk in the steps of the Savior. Stepping in the light, stepping in the light. How beautiful to walk in the steps of the Savior. Led in paths of light. Walking in footsteps of gentle forbearance, footsteps of faithfulness, mercy, and love. Looking to Him for the grace freely promised, happy, how happy, our journey above. How beautiful to walk in the steps of the Savior, stepping in the light. Stepping in the light, how beautiful to walk in the steps of the Savior, led in paths of light. Trying to walk in the steps of the Savior, upward, still upward, we'll follow our guide. When we shall see Him, the King, in His beauty, Happy, how happy, our place at His side. How beautiful to walk in the steps of the Savior. Stepping in the light, stepping in the light. How beautiful to walk in the steps of the Savior. Led in paths of light. Amen. After the singing of this song, we'll be led in our next prayer. 
Again, we're thanking fellowship. We're thanking about the everlasting arms. Pay attention to the words. What a fellowship, what a joy divine, leading on the everlasting arms. What a blessedness, what a peace is mine, leaning on the everlasting arms. Leaning, leaning, safe and secure from all alarms. Leaning, leaning, leaning on the everlasting arms. What have I to dread? What have I to fear? Leaning on the everlasting arms. I have blessed peace with my Lord so near. Leaning on the everlasting arms. Leaning, leaning. Safe and secure from all alarms. Leaning, leaning. Leaning on the everlasting arms. Our Father in heaven, we're so grateful to be here this evening, Lord, to worship you. God, we know this is your day and that you command us to worship you on your day. But it's a blessing to be here, God. And we're, we love to worship you because we love you so much. Because you gave your son for us so that we might be reconciled through his blood. So that we may have a fellowship with you, with your son with your spirit. God, we're mindful of all those who are sick of our number. We pray that you be with them, be with the doctors that care for them and their families as they go through a trying time right now. God, please be with those of this congregation that aren't here because they're traveling uh, with the busy holiday season, God. Pray that you keep them safe and bring them back to their homes safely as well. God, as we go throughout this worship service, pray that we may listen attentively to the words that Adam has to say, that we may put our hearts into the songs that we sing. God, that everything that we do is pleasing to you. Please forgive us of our sins. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. The first word is fellowship, joint partnership. Being reminded that to come out of a difficult year and getting ready to start anew, that we have fellowship, joint partnership with the Lord. We have fellowship with God because of the blood of Jesus Christ. We have fellowship with one another in Jesus. The second word I want you to think about in this epistle of 1 Corinthians is the word love. Now, you've just written a very uh, in-depth letter. You've covered a lot of deep issues. It's not been easy to say, maybe, But uh, these are people that you love. Why do you discipline your children? Well, your children think it's for your fun. (laughs) It's not, is it? It's not fun all the time. It's not fun all the time to discipline, is it? Why do you do it? Because you love your children. You want what's best for them. Now, you think about God and you think about his love for us. You think about what Paul says. Look, he didn't write this letter because he couldn't stand these people. He wrote a letter like this because he loved these people. Because he knew that they needed to get things corrected. Because he loved God. And because he loved God, he loved God's people. And he wanted what was best for them. And that's why you write a letter like 1 Corinthians. That's why you read a letter like 1 Corinthians and apply it to your own life. Listen to me. This is what he has to say at the end of the letter. He's written all of this. And at the end of the letter, you drop with me to verse number 21. Chapter 16. Paul is wrapping it up. And one of the very last things he says... In verse number 21, he says, The salutation with my own hand, Paul's. I'm the one who wrote this. I want you to know that this is from me. You are my children in the faith, and I love you, and I'm writing this salutation with my own hand. Verse number 22. 
If anyone does not love the Lord Jesus Christ, let him be accursed. O Lord, come. He speaks of the love for Jesus, doesn't he? He speaks of the need to love Jesus. If you don't love Jesus, then let him be accursed. It's the same word that he uses over in Galatians chapter 1. If anyone brings another gospel to you, let him be accursed. Let him be condemned. If anyone does not come and love Jesus, let him be condemned. The need to love Jesus. And then the last thing Paul says in this scathing, what we might consider somewhat a scathing letter, the last thing he says, isn't it telling? Verse number 24, my love be with you all, where? In Christ Jesus. Paul says, I want you to know, I write this letter because I care. I write this letter because I love you. I love Jesus, and I love Jesus' people. That's what Paul is saying. I love the Lord, and I love the Lord's people. Now, in chapter 13, that that chapter gets a lot of attention out of this letter, right? The, The chapter on love. And then that chapter, he gives 16 action verbs to describe love. It's not a definition of love. This is how love behaves itself. One, uh, a love that, that does what is right and best for other people. This is how it behaves itself. You want to fix problems in your life? You want to fix relationships? Chapter 13. It's, it's in the, squunched in, a, in the middle of a conversation on uh, the misuse of miraculous gifts. And he says, here you all thinking that you're better than others because you can speak in languages that you never had to learn. And you think you're better than other people. He says, you know what? Love them. Love each other. And that's how you fix all of these issues. But love is one of the great themes of this letter. And I find that interesting. In a letter that he's trying to fix all of these messes and all of these mistakes that people are making. He says, I want you to know that, that we need to have a great love for God. So, we've come out of a tough year. We've come out of a tough year. How's your love for God? How are you feeling about God right now? There are some who say, my faith has been challenged in the last year more than it's ever been challenged before. That may be true. But where are you at tonight? Where's your love for God at? You know, this morning, Mike was preaching. He was talking about uh, sitting at the throne of God and serving God for eternity. And he said, that may not sound too appealing to some. But to those who love God, he said, it's what we're waiting for. How much do you love God? How much do I love God? In the end, Paul reaffirms his love for his brethren. I think we clearly in the last year need to be able to look back. And again, we're going to have 20-20 hindsight. But I think we need to be able to look back and see the love that God had for us in the last year. It's there. And we need to be willing to open our eyes to see it. To what he's done for us. And the love that he continues to have for us. I want to resolve in the coming year to love God more. I want to resolve in the coming year, don't you, to have a greater love for Jesus. I think about these words over in 1 John chapter 4. And again, I'll be brief because we're going to sing some songs here in a moment. But in 1 John chapter 4, I'm just reminded of what John says. This is so important for us to know as we go into a new year and we're resolving to, to love God more. Think about these words. In 1 John chapter 4, verse number 7, John says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. And he who does not love does not know God, for God is love. In this the love of God was manifested toward us, that God has sent His only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through Him. In this is love, not that we loved God, but that He loved us, and He sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought to love one another. And then in chapter 5 and verse 2, across the page, By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep His commandments. In the coming year, I want to love God more. I want to love Jesus more. And I want to love the sacrifice of the cross more. I find myself asking God often, please, 
let me have a greater appreciation for the cross. Let me have a greater appreciation for Jesus. I want to love him more. I want to appreciate what he's done for me more. God sent him to be the propitiation to remove God's wrath away from me. And he took it on himself. I want to love God more. I want to love God's people more. Resolve to do that in the next year. Now think about that as we sing these next songs about love. And we're going to be talking about Jesus and our love for Jesus. And again, our love for him directly connected to his cross. Now think about that as we sing these words, okay? There is a name I love to hear, I love to sing its word. It sounds like music in my ear, the sweetest name on earth. Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus, because he first loved me. It tells me of a Savior's love who died to set me free. It tells me of His precious blood, the sinner's perfect plea. Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. Because he first loved me, it tells me one whose loving heart can feel my deepest woe, who in each sorrow bears a part that none can bear below. Oh, how I love Jesus! Oh, how I love Jesus! How I love Jesus because he first loved me. My Jesus, I love thee. My Jesus, I love thee. I know thou art mine for thee. verses of one of my favorite, favorite songs, The Love of God. The love of God is greater far than tongue or pen can ever tell. 
It goes beyond the highest door and reaches to the lowest hell. The guilty pair bowed down with care. God gave his son to win. His erring child he reconciled and pardoned from his sin. Oh, love of God, how rich and pure, how measureless and strong. It shall forevermore endure the saints and angels' song. Could we with ink the ocean fill and were the skies of parchment made? Were every stalk on earth a quill, and every man a scribe by trade, to write the love of God above would drain the ocean dry, nor could the scroll contain the whole, though stretched from sky to sky. O love of God, how rich and pure, how measureless and strong. It shall forevermore endure the saints and angels' song. This next song, final song under this heading of love. We'll use uh, before the Lord's Supper for those who are unable to partake after this song. Think about the love of God here. I love the Lord, for he died my soul to save. On Calvary, his dear life he freely gave. From realms above, Jesus freely came to die, that I might live someday with him on high. I love the Lord, he has been so good to me. don't have the emblem for the Lord's Supper, would you please raise your hand and we'll get those to you. This evening as we begin to 
to think about the Lord's Supper, I want you to open your Bibles to John chapter 20. And we're going to be looking at verses 1 through 18, John 20, verses 1 through 18. The setting, and I want you to catch this, John 19.41 tells us that where our Lord was crucified, there was a garden. And in that garden was a tomb. It was not like any other tomb, it was a new tomb. That's the setting, that's where I want to take you. As we prepare to read this text, I want you to think about some of the action that occurs there. You will see people standing, you will see people weeping, you'll see people kneeling, you'll see people running. I want you to think about that. Finally, I want you to think about this. Imagine you were at a memorial service for someone you dearly loved. Maybe it was a visitation. They go to open the casket and the body is gone. You look over your shoulder and there's the one you dearly love. That's what happens in John chapter 20. May we never forget the love that our God has for us. Let's read the text. And then we'll have prayer for the, for the emblems. Now the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb early while it was still dark and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. Then she ran and came to Simon Peter and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved and said to them, They've taken away the Lord out of the tomb and we do not know where they have laid him. Peter therefore went out and the other disciple and were going to the tomb. So they both ran together. And the other disciple outran Peter and came to the tomb first. And he, stooping down and looking in, saw the linen clothes lying there, yet he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came, following him, and went into the tomb, and he saw the linen clothes lying there, the handkerchief that had been around his head, not, not lying with the linen clothes, but folded together in a place by itself. Then the other disciple who came to the, first, to the tomb first went in also, and he saw and believed. For as yet they did not know the scripture that he must rise again from the dead. Then the disciples went away again to their homes. Mary stood outside. Best I can tell, Mary was one of the, was one of the last ones at the cross at the crucifixion and was the first, one of the very first people at the resurrection. So this whole time she's outside the tomb. Verse 11, but Mary stood outside by the tomb weeping. And as she wept, she stooped down and looked into the tomb. She saw two angels in white, in white sitting, one at the head and the other at the feet where the body of Jesus had laid. Then they said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, Because they've taken away my Lord and I do not know where they have laid him. Now, when she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there and did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? She, supposing him to be the gardener, said to him, Sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you've laid him. I will take him away. You see, she wanted to give him honor. She wanted him to have the the dignity and the honor that he deserved. Jesus said to her, Mary? She turned and said to him, Teacher? Jesus said to her, Do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to my Father, but go to my brethren and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father and to my God and your God. John fourteen three speaks about the love that Adam just spoke to us about. Our Lord loves us so much. In John chapter 14, verse 3, he says, And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Through this resurrection, we have a hope of eternal life. 
Let's pray for the body. God, thank you so much for loving us. Thank you for the plan of salvation. Thank you for the plan of redemption. Thank you for the resurrection. God, oftentimes we fail to remember the cross and we fail even more to remember the resurrection. God, be with us as we partake and help us to remember that that tomb could no longer hold him. It could not hold the body that was strung on the tree once for all of mankind. Be with us as we partake of this, of this loaf. In Jesus' name, amen. Likewise, let's pray for the cup. God, we thank you for this cup. Thank you for this cup that represents the blood of Jesus. The blood that was spilt one time for all of mankind. It's incredible how you could love us when we oftentimes seem so unlovable. God, we rejoice in that resurrection. Help us to be a people that shares that message in 21 with others. Help us not to be standing outside the tomb. Help us to be one who's active, sharing the message. Be with us as we partake. In Jesus' name, amen. If the Lord wills, and we transition from one year into another, what do I need to have behind my motivation? What should motivate me as I make resolutions and resolve to make resolve in the next year? I want to remember about fellowship. I want to think about the fact that that I'm a joint partner with God himself through the blood of Jesus. That as long as I'm in that relationship with him... Let come what may, it's going to be okay. As I go into another year, I want to be motivated by the love of God for me. And that demonstrated in His Son. And I want to resolve to love Him more. And resolve to love His people more. Paul wrote a tough letter. Many mistakes and messes that needed to be cleaned up. What do you say? What do you say to start and what do you say to end? You remind them of their joint partnership with God and with each other. You remind them of the love that God has for them and the love that they need to have for Him and for His people. And the third word? Well, maybe you saw it in verse 23, 1 Corinthians 16. Maybe you saw we skipped verse 23, and maybe you've already recognized that that third word is grace. That's what Paul says. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Brethren, I'm afraid that at times grace just gets the short end of the stick. That we just don't talk about it and give it the attention that it truly deserves. And to think about God and His grace that's been extended to us. Divine favor. Unmerited favor. Undeserved favor. You know, it could have been that God said when, when sin entered the world, Okay, well we tried. That didn't work out. And I'm done with it. And that's not what was in the mind of God from the beginning. He knew how this was going to play out. And God said, I'm not done with you. I want to be with you. I want to have a relationship with you. He loved us even when he seemed so unlovable. I will extend you my grace. Well, simply we're not saved without it. Simply we're not saved without it. And so Paul says, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Now go back to the beginning of the letter, to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, and notice what he says to start the letter. 
Now, he's going to say some difficult things, and he knows what's coming. And, and so how do you start a letter? And you remind them of fellowship, and you remind them of love, and you remind them of God's grace. It starts right in the beginning with verse number 3. Chapter 1, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God always concerning you for the grace of God which was given to you by Christ Jesus. He continues, that you were enriched in everything by Him in all utterance and all knowledge, even as the testimony of God was confirmed in you. Listen, so that you come short in no gift, eagerly waiting for the revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ, who will confirm you to the end that you may be blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. You have a question of grace? A question of what that looks like? A question of what that really means? Well, it's illustrated perfectly in verse 8. This is grace. This is grace. God saying that, that you are able to be confirmed or sustained. God will keep you. Christ will keep you until the day of judgment. He will help you. He will sustain you. He will be with you. And notice what happens. At the rest of that verse, he says that you may be blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. Other translations say that you may be, listen, guiltless in the day of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what that word is. But I'm not guiltless. But I'm not without sin. Because all have sinned of accountable age and fallen short of the glory of God. That's what Paul says in Romans chapter 6, right? That all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That, that there's none righteous, no, not one. I'm not guiltless. I'm guilty. But by the grace of God, by the blood of Jesus Christ, by God demonstrating His love for me, for you, we're able to be found guiltless. In the day of the Lord. You want to make a resolution? You want to look back over a challenging year? Find yourself looking and seeing the grace of God. Look and see how He has blessed you and His grace being extended to you time and time and time and time again through the, through the last year. And you want to make a resolution in 2021 if the Lord wills? Resolve to keep a bigger picture in your mind. It's easy to get bogged down in the mundane day-to-day living. It's easy to see the challenges of today. It's easy, isn't it, to, to look at what's happening today and to be in a bad mood or to be down and out. Those days come. Resolve to keep a bigger picture in your mind. That in the end, God says, I have taken away, I have made a way for you to be found guiltless when you stand in my presence. That's grace. God has made a way for us to be found guiltless. Let us resolve to keep that in mind. A big picture perspective. That the challenges of today and the challenges of the month and the challenges of the year are going to pale in comparison to being found guiltless when I stand before God. That's His grace. We need to be thankful for it. He loves me. I'm His partner because of His Son. Because God has extended to me His unmerited favor. His riches... At Christ's expense. A big picture perspective. Paul is asking these that he's going to need to then talk about some very deep and touching issues. He's making this resolve in their minds to know that the the motivation behind everything that needs to be done is God's grace. His love and fellowship with him. Now think about grace as we sing these next four songs before we're done tonight. Think about grace. Listen. Oh, thou fount of every blessing, tune my heart to sing thy grace. Streams of mercy never ceasing, call for songs of loudest praise. Teach me ever to adore thee, 
May I still thy goodness prove While the hope of endless glory Fills my heart with joy and love Oh, to grace how great a debtor Daily I'm constrained to be Let thy goodness like a fetter Bind my wandering heart to thee. Never let me wander from thee. Never leave the God I love. Here's my heart, oh, take and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. need your help. Wonderful grace of Jesus. Wonderful grace of Jesus, greater than all my sin. How shall my tongue describe it? Where shall his praise begin? Taking away my burden, setting my spirit free. Of Jesus reaches me. Wonderful the matchless grace of Jesus, deeper than the mighty rolling sea, higher than the mountains, sparkling like a fountain, all sufficient grace for even me. Broader than the scope of my transgressions, greater far than all my sin and shame. Oh, magnify the precious name of Jesus, praise his name. Wonderful grace of Jesus, reaching to all the lost. By it I have been pardoned, saved to the uttermost. Chains have been torn asunder, giving me liberty for the wonderful grace of Jesus. Wonderful the matchless grace of Jesus, deeper than the mighty rolling sea, higher than the mountain, sparkling like a fountain, all sufficient grace for even me, broader than the scope of my transgressions, greater far than all my sin and shame. Oh, magnify the precious name of Jesus, praise his name. Sing it like you mean it. Praise his name for the grace that he has extended. Tonight may be that someone is here who has not partaken or taken a part of God's grace. Maybe you have not obeyed the gospel. Tonight... This is not your last opportunity of the year 2020, but it is your last opportunity in a setting like this. The Lord's invitation is extended 24 hours a day, seven days a week. But tonight, if you're not a Christian, won't you please choose this moment to join partnership with God? Tonight, won't you become a Christian? Do you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God? Are you ready to repent of sin in your life? Are you ready to confess your faith in Jesus as the Son of God? Are you ready to be immersed in water for the forgiveness of your sins? Tonight, there's no better time than right now to become a Christian. Won't you accept the grace of God through faith and do what he says to be saved? Tonight, if you're a Christian, maybe in the year 2020 you have found yourself in a wandering state. Tonight, you want to rededicate yourself or tonight you need the prayers of your brethren. Listen. We're in this together. We love you and we care about you. And all we want is to help each other get home. Tonight, if, if you need to respond to the invitation, if there's anything we can do, 
then won't you please make that known now by coming to the front and let us stand as we sing this song together. Marvelous grace of our loving Lord, grace that exceeds our sin and our guilt. Yonder on Calvary's mount outpoured, there where the blood of the Lamb was spilled. Grace, grace, God's grace, grace that will pardon and cleanse within. Grace, grace, God's grace, grace that is greater than all our sin. Sin and despair like the sea waves cold. Threaten the soul with infinite loss. Grace that is greater, yes, grace untold. Point to the refuge, the mighty cross. Grace, grace, God's grace. Grace that will pardon and cleanse within. stain that we cannot hide. What can avail to wash it away? Look, there is flowing a crimson tide. Whiter than snow you may be today. Grace, grace, God's grace, grace that will pardon and cleanse within grace grace God's grace grace that is greater than all our sin I was just handed a note during worship service Many of us know and love Elaine McCarty. Uh, It's been brought to our attention that she went and tested Monday for the virus and tested positive. Would you please keep her in your prayers too? Thank you. Can we do one more? All right, let's do one more. Again, I'm going to need your help on this one. I know that you know this song, but think about the words, please, as you sing it. And think about his marvelous grace. His grace reaches me. Be led in our closing prayer following this song. Deeper than the ocean and wider than the sea is the grace of the Savior. For sinners like me, sent from the Father, and it thrills my soul just to feel and to know that His blood makes me His grace reaches me and will last through eternity. Now I'm under His control and I'm happy in my soul just to know. Higher than the mountains and
treasures and it's mine today though my sins were as scarlet he has washed them away his grace reaches me Just to know